Do you want to look handsome as fuck? Well, then you should try Combat Comb Over for your hair and your face and your beard. And then once you have all that additional swagger, you need something to carry it around in. Use the Nut Ruck by Arbor Arms. And while you're uh, carrying that nut ruck, you should also remember to keep yourself as fresh as possible because you never know what might happen when you're looking that good. So keep yourself some body powder from Hollywood Powder Company. Use our discount code SMOKEPIT on all of our sponsors to save yourself some money. Welcome to the Smoke Pit. Fantastic guest today, as always. We don't, we don't, we don't invite bums on the show very often. Well, aside from certain people, <laughs> but we invite them because they are bums. Yes, and uh, so we have a eighty-second um, airborne combat veteran, former member of the Team USA bobsledding team. We have Lou Marrera. What's up, Lou? What up? Good to be here. Oh man! So in our our pre-show, we talked about some crazy things that I. I think that the audience would really appreciate hearing about. So first and foremost, you're saying that you did two deployments to Afghanistan, but they weren't like regular deployments. They were long as hell. Drawn out, drawn out, 15 months and the 12 months. Oh, yeah. fuck me sideways. How many pocket pussies did you burn through on that deployment? Dude, it was just fucking just my palm, man. <laughs> did you get back and all your friends were like, dude, how much fast roping did you do? <laughs> all right. Dude, it's amazing. Uh, I went to um I went to do an appointment uh at the VA this past weekend for toxic exposure and the, the blood clots that I had in my lungs. And the dude is like very professional. He's like, I'm gonna take your blood pressure in your left arm, and then I'm gonna take your blood pressure in your right arm, and then like do one again so that way we have three readings. And I was like, All right, cool. And so when he was showing me the numbers afterwards, he's like, The blood pressure in your right arm is much higher than the blood pressure in your left arm. And I'm like, well, why could that be? And he kind of made this like little motion, almost like not, not, not so much like uh, a, <laughs> a gratuitous motion, like he was jerking off, but he kind of like leaned his right in a little bit. He's like, you're right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dude, am I jerking off so much? That yes. Higher blood pressure in one side yeah. of my body. Yes. Sit on your left hand, let it go to sleep and do the stranger. Yeah. He's, he's not quiet about it either. No, but see, here's the thing, though, <laughs> is if you shake AJ's hand, you touch it and it's like baby skin soft. Like it's honestly like creepy how soft his hand is. But his left hand's rough. He has jerked off so much with so much lotion that his right hand could never be coarse, no matter how much weight he lifts. Just it's just been lotioned. In oh, no. perfection. You'd be surprised. But even the calluses are soft. <laughs> <laughs> the calluses are like those uh, Gushers fruit snacks. Exactly. In both size and in liquid filling. So what years did you do your deployments? Uh, the first tour was 07, 08, and then uh, 2010 to 2011. And I got out in 2012. It's been about a decade since I've been out. Yeah. I, uh, I was in Iraq in 2007 and Afghanistan in 2011. I was in the Sangin area. And, um, yeah, where we were. Oh, fuck. Fuck that place, man. Fuck yeah. AJ was just a little bit north of us. What was that area called? Where Fab Rob Robinson was? Got yeah. It. See, they had me down in the brown zone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where all the desert was. We were we were further away from the, the Sangin Valley River, so everything was kind of dead. Uh, we yeah. were at uh, Chica and Nole and Dashed with a T at the end. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard those names in a while. Yeah, yeah crazy, right? You know what would be wild is if at some point in time, if we were both over there, 
2011. Like, imagine if we just like laned up at the same piss tube outside the fucking uh, the PX. Yeah, could have been. Could have been, man. Checking I each mean, other's wangs. I, w- I was about to say, I, I would recognize your wang if I saw it because I identic memory for certain things, uh, mostly for all my failures in life, and surprisingly, dudes' wangs. Photographic penis memory. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Pornographic memory. <laughs> yeah. Third Battalion, uh, boot camp in Paris Island. First time you get in the shower with fucking 40 other dudes. And he still remembers all 40 dicks today. Yeah. And then the other 30 dudes are waiting outside. <laughs> and so you're running by them butt naked. Did, did that sound like your early dating life or is this just a fond reminiscence? Honestly, I think that would have been better than my early dating life. <laughs> All right, so we um we know that you spent a long fucking time in the desert. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to ask you this question. Uh, do you feel like you learned anything about yourself? Do you feel like there was any positive takeaway from that deployment or either or? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a good question, man. I mean, I remember countless hours just being on guard where you're just staring at the fucking stars wondering, what am I doing here? What's the purpose? And what do I want? And eventually, I just knew that I wanted out of the service. I knew I was done. To be honest, I kind of lost sense of purpose being over there, just personally. And I wanted to just come back home, be with my family. And uh, and, and I had a list of goals that I wanted to do. And, um, and, the, and the Army gave me that catapult. It gave me the springboard to be able to to, to realize what I wanted. I would have never, I would have never found myself in the, in this position, but uh, all the, all those, all the challenges and triumphs in the military really had me in a situation, you know, literally life and death. And it was like a new beginning for me. And then the, the day I decided not to, not to reenlist and get out um, was, a, was, a, was a really good decision. Uh, yeah, man, the GI Bill was great. Dude, I did my undergrad. And I did my MBA all, all under the GI Bill. I went to SMU and Dallas, and then I went to USC in LA, got my MBA there. And then along the way, I wanted to get out. Any time, any any downtime we had in combat, most guys would play video games. I was always in the weight room, just fucking cranking out weights. And uh, yeah, you know, Bill, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, guys like that. Got out, did some shows, won a, won a couple bodybuilding shows. I was fun fact, 2014, Mister Texas, and uh, did did all that while going to school, and then you know bodybuilders are like jacked and lunky and not mobile can't even wipe your own ass <laughs> <But> <laughs> I wanted to be athletic again and that's where i found bobsled watching it on tv watching the 2014 sochi games uh really sparked my interest had a buddy already involved basically just hung up everything i was doing in my life spent some time on the teamusa.org site looked up the roster what it takes yeah. and uh Spent six months training for it, went to a combine and made the development squad. And then from there, I just hung everything up, moved to the Olympic Training Center, and then spent three years with the team on tour. And that was wild. And uh, Nate Brewer was on your team too, right? Yeah, Nate's, Nate, me and Nate, we get along well, a lot in common. Uh, yeah, he's a Green Beret, so he's a, a, lot, of, a lot in common there, and uh, he's a wild kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's a wild guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I... I was kind of really in awe listening to you talk about um, your mental process as far as, you know, I, you, you can't take an average person and put them in a combat zone and stick them on a post and make them look at nothing, you know, for eight hours a night, every night in between everything else that they already do and not have some pretty fucking crazy introspective thoughts. And sure. so some of the things you were saying were really resonating because I felt like we've all had those thoughts at one point in time. 
Because yeah. you at, at a certain point in time where you just run out of shit to think about. Right. <laughs> and if they're bad thoughts, that's okay. You just got to talk to people about it. Yeah. I think I, I can help a lot of vets and I haven't had the opportunity to, and it's something I really want to get into where these guys just get sick of their situation in the service and they don't realize it. And then they just want out. They, no matter what, they just want out with no plan. And then they get out and they fucking kill themselves or they go into a rut of crap and they just fuck up and they'd realize they didn't, shouldn't have got out or they should have had a plan or something, but it's an issue, you know, it's a problem. Yeah. And AJ, uh, back me up here, but I feel like in our experience with all the veterans that we have talked to uh, through the uh, Pop Smoke media through the years is that it kind of seems like the big, and this is not 100% inclusive, but almost the common denominator. Yeah, we all have a little bit of nostalgia and we miss certain things, but the guys who really act like they regret getting out of the military the most often don't seem to have a whole lot going on. And so I think that if you get out and you're successful, whether that be financially, emotionally, family, whatever your whatever your definition of success is, if you get out and you're successful, it's a lot easier to leave the uniform in the rearview mirror. Uh, you can't make your time and service your personality, right? Yeah. There's there's good things and bad things. Like I could talk shit about the Marine Corps, and you guys could talk shit about the Army, and. Lord knows we've heard enough stuff through the, through the website and through social media about how everybody's having a bad time, but there's a lot of good stuff you get from it. And it's whether it's directly or indirectly, whether they intended you to pick that up or by watching them, you were like, nah, I never doing that shit. So it it really is about, okay, take what works, take, take some of the attitude and some of the skills, and then just try to throw yourself to the next rung be like, all right, well, if I take the amount of, fortitude it took to do this and i use that fortitude on the next thing then i'm probably going to succeed and if you if you do it and you succeed and you're like all right well this is fun but you know just don't get stuck find the next thing that's yeah. it's you're always trying to hit the next next objective while you were in now it's just time to hit the next objective once you're out yeah and, and the more time that passes by since you've exited the military the more pride you get you miss the good things and you just hold on to the good things. You know, I remember when I first got out, I didn't want to, I didn't want to watch anything on the history channel about combat. I didn't want to listen to any kind of freaking videos of dudes, you know, doing battalion PT or anything. But now, you know, I, I'd love to go for a company PT run and that was fun. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I'd love to go to the range with the guy at the range or, or, or do, an, uh, do a jump. But yeah, we, um, we actually, uh, you know, AJ and I have, uh, he was the very first guy I ever met to my unit. And then we went to several bases and did several deployments together. And so he and I went out and got breakfast. We went to the range. He's, uh, he's helping me tighten up my pistol a little bit. And um, then as we were driving back, we saw a sign that said biplane rides today. And it was at the airport. That's like the little local airport that's like right up the road from us. So we're like, fuck yeah, we went home, put on our leather jackets and went back to the airport. And uh, we did... Um, uh, those rides and so you know, here we are in a, in a plane that was designed in the 1940s and your know, hair is flapping in the breeze and just enjoying ourselves because we found that there are hobbies that we like to do that we like to do together and so if we spend more time doing things that we know we both enjoy versus isolating ourselves if we try to push ourselves out of our comfort zone and you know do the best we can particularly with the pandemic it's it's uh, a lot easier to not think about the things that you regret or the things that, uh, you know, weigh heavily on you. It's a lot easier to leave things in the past where they should be. And I feel that a lot of people just 
like you said, get out of the military so quickly. They just want to be out like the building's on fire. And then they start thinking like, what now? Like they didn't have a, a support network. They didn't file for their disability. They didn't really think about how long it's going to take to get into school or to, you know, get a job. Yeah. Those first six months are great. Guys don't have to shave. They don't have to be up. They just be fucking doing whatever. And then that, that runs out. And then what? And then you're like, this sucks. Now, now I miss my friends. Now I have no mission. I have no purpose. And then it, it just lingers into a rabbit hole of shit. And it sucks seeing guys like this, guys and girls. Yeah. Not to tone down the seriousness, but I wanted to say you made a comment about not enjoying the History Channel. And I was going to warn you that, as I have been warned, now that you're approaching 40 at some point, you have two choices. You have to get obnoxiously into woodworking or you have to start knowing a lot more shit about World War II. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but I came around now. I can watch war movies and I can watch all that stuff. But for four or five years, I stayed away. I think that was me just coping with it. I just buried it, buried it. And um, luckily, my you know, I, my, health, my mental health is good. And uh, I can watch war movies again and stuff. And that stuff doesn't bother me. But uh, um, I, that's just how I how I did it. I just ignored it. <laughs> yeah you know i just figure if i just take my issues and i i push them deep down inside then one day i'll die and i won't have to deal with them <laughs> just push them into your stomach till they become a dull persistent ache the way a man does <laughs> no that's one of the best things that i that i probably did for my mental health was do the social media because yeah. i'm i'm talking about a lot of these issues fairly frequently and they become less scary uh, the more you, you shine the flashlight into the closet or under the bed, the the more you see there aren't any monsters there. And mm. that's kind of the idea of a little bit of exposure therapy. I um, got my virtual reality headset and I watched the documentary about Fallujah. And oh. I, I was there in 2007 and it was it was a bit surreal. <laughs> <laughs> that's a word for it. Yeah. yeah. Like little little details that you, that you forget about uh you know the little nuanced things about the cities or the area or the way things smelled or the way that that you did things and as we have an entire generation of guys who joined when they were young and now it's been 10 years since their last deployment uh the last combat deployment uh it's it's kind of like there's not a whole lot of manual what it's like to be uh, a vet at this point in time because i feel like we're really the last generation that grew up without cell phones and the internet and stuff you know right yeah, the whole situation's really it's it's very Kafka esque, right? So there's there's a lot of bright shiny colors in the past, and we're looking at the future and going, okay, now what? And you just try to fill the space. And the problem is some some people don't think to fill the space. They're just like, well, the the past hit was full of color, and the future is full of gray. And you know, you, you kind of tend to lose yourself in that. Yeah. And I mean, even now, like Dan said, exposure therapy, I've been working with veterans uh, either uh, in, in, through employment or in connection with pop smoke for, since I got out. And I just made a joke about it earlier today. I told them, you know, I don't think I could get a civilian job because within about a day, me and every coworker would be kicked out on an EEO complaint. Like yeah. the kind of stuff that when you're with Marines and, and soldiers and, and sailors that you get to talk about to kind of keep yourself one like one toe dipped in the pool of all of my trauma and bullshit <laughs> so that you're like, okay, I still know what temperature it is. I know I acknowledge its existence, but, uh, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to live in it. I'm just going to kind of spread the seed a little bit. If you pee in the pool, it's not as bad if the pool is like Olympic sized. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's probably my favorite part of getting together with my, 
with my veteran buddies. You know, it hasn't happened in a while. It needs to happen. But when you mentioned, you know, watching the documentary, how it triggered some good memories. When you're, when you're reminiscing and telling stories, you forget so many details and so many things that when you're around a couple of guys from your platoon, man, it just brings so much joy talking about all the good times. And, uh, and, and then if you do get around talking about someone's KIA or something bad, then it, then you're around people that were there with you and just talking about it so coping versus talking to somebody at the gym who asked you, did you see anyone die? Like that, that conversation is not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? That's the beauty of talking to the guys that were there with you. And so I, I do have a question where, uh, as we are starting to get older, um, looking back on it now, like how is it different being where you are now mentally and physically and all that versus how it was like when you first were, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and walked into the recruiter's office and, you know, got the keychain and signed the contract. Make me a warrior. Dude, for sure. I was just a fucking idiot, irresponsible kid. I think that, you know, watching war movies my entire childhood, I subconsciously always said I would totally join. But um, that just wasn't part of my agenda, so to speak. I, I wanted to just run track, graduate high school, go to college and run track. I, I was a state state record holder, state champion in Massachusetts, and I, that's all I cared about was running track. But then when I got to college, it just it didn't go well. I had to, you know, I didn't. I had to go to class and <laughs> I wanted to run track. I'll go there to go to school, you know, and um, but you fast forward another year and that's what brought me into the recruiter's office. And I just said, you know, I, I want to take part in the war. I remember watching Dick Wolf on CNN talking about the scheme of maneuvers with the trucks in Iraq. And I was like, man, this shit's really fucking happening. I want to take part. I was a junior in high school during 9-11 and it all, and it all played a role. You know, I was a, as an adolescent kid. Um, yeah, I literally walked into the recruiter, said, I want to join. I want to fight. He's like, the army has over 200 jobs. I just, I just want to fight. Fucking sent me in combat. I, I was, I shipped off to basic training three weeks after walking into the recruiter's office. My mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Three weeks later, and a year after that, I had boots on ground in Afghanistan. That's a, that's super impressive yeah. that, uh, that it, it kind of went that quickly. Cause I feel that with, uh, with my journey going in from uh, the pool to going to boot camp. There was I was a sophomore when 9-11 happened and there was such a, just a long period. It was like nine months where I had to wait to go to boot camp. And from the very first time that I walked in the recruiter's office and it was just kind of like, all right, where's my time to go? When's my time to go? When's my time to go? And then when they finally called my number, uh, it was just like, oh, shit, like it, it's finally here. Like it's not just a hypothetical like now I'm down the water slide. Yeah. Well, it's a it was a Florida recruiting station, so they didn't believe that you were meth free and that you weren't like having having parts missing from alligator strikes. They were like, "There's no way this guy just walked in able bodied, no drugs, and wants to go to boot camp." No, that's that's actually one of the uh, the things that they look for in Florida is that if you've managed to survive your entire life without being bit by an alligator, you must be pretty clever and pretty nimble. And so we want you to be an infantryman. When he went to the recruiting station, he dropped three alligator tails on the guy's desk and was like, "Sign me up, coach." Fuck yeah, man! Yeah, so you um you had your time over there. Is is there any uh, good memory, whether it be like a, a sunset or you know locals' food or something like that? Like when you think about your time on deployment, what's what's the best memory you have? Shit, um, shit! Right now, the first thing that popped in my head wasn't necessarily in country, but it was when we when we got home. I had I had. I, you know, I had trained some guys. I was a staff sergeant. And when I got home and I watched those eight men, my guys hug their families. Oh. It was so satisfying for me to bring them home and watch them all hug their families. And I could 
figuratively close the book on the military and move on at peace. And that was so reassuring. Um, yeah, I mean, I vividly remember everyone just crying and hugging. And uh, yeah, I pretty much, you know, I was with my parents and it was it was cool walking away. And, you know, yeah. went to like Texas Roadhouse or something. After. <laughs> brother man, <laughs> brother man, I wasn't there, but that gave me serotonin. Thank you for that. <laughs> like I, I can I can see that in your eyes and I, I can feel myself there and watching that and i'm like that's like virtual reality for me like that felt yeah, good I'll thank tell you, you for that i'll tell you the part of the story that i liked is when he said you know and then i was my mom and i walked away and i saw the same tear in your eye that he did <laughs> but then in my head i heard like the the sam elliott coming over the back like narrating going roadhouse <laughs> <laughs> no he does have a very uh a, a very uh velvety voice another good memory was um we went we did a 24-hour op um, and we got into a gunfight. Um, it was like four or five hour fight and we didn't have any casualties. We fucking waxed these dudes, man. We, uh, we basically, we were the cordon for, for these third groups. So we just sat there and picked them off and then went into the town and just mingled around and fucking shot whatever was lingering. Um, but because we didn't lose anybody and getting back on the Blackhawks and riding back and talking on those headsets, talking about what we were going to do. I'm going to go lift. I'm going to go check yeah. out do this. That was so much fun going back to, to base to like after fucking doing some killing oh, that I miss. I'd love to yeah. kid up boys and go get some um, that part. I miss. Oh man. Yeah. I, I'm getting goosebumps there. I was fortunate enough to do a couple like a little sneaky squirrel, Blackhawk insert missions. Not, not very much. Cause I was just, a, you know, just a grunt wasn't anything special, but uh, yeah, the, the Blackhawks are pretty gnarly and the pilots like get fucking boners, like by making, making us sick. <laughs> just guys fucking flying around dude chill <laughs> they're like let me see how bad how hard i can slam my wheels into the ground and shake these guys out sure so, now uh let me let me share with you one of my <laughs> serotonin memories oh hold on. i'm sorry i'm sorry they're flying to blackhawk like it's a rental <laughs> i'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, go ahead well i mean technically it is it's not like they're it you know like most of the time when you go to an airport and there's like a, a privately owned like air vessel it's like you know three or four buddies got together and you know they all put in however much and they purchased the the thing and it's like a timeshare you know like the military issue planes are fucking rentals winner yeah. all right basically so paint the picture a little bit 2005 Al-Ambar province we are on the Syrian border in the base of al Qaim. A dusty Humvee comes in through the ECP <laughs> and a handful of uh, dusty Marines get out of the back of the, the high back. And so we're there for our, our monthly visit to one of the larger bases so we could do laundry and pick up MREs and water and do the resupply run. Yeah. And uh, we, we usually do the resupply one, I think maybe like three or four times a month, but you didn't get to go on every one because like you could only send a couple bodies. And if you were a boot, like this is our first deployment, uh, your job was to do the platoon's laundry and to like get the MREs and the ammo and the gas and whatever else. And then if you finish that in time, uh, by the time like the squad leaders or like the lieutenant was done with their briefing, if you finish that before then, you could go to the PX and you could go to the MWR. For, the, for those of you who don't know, I, I know you know, but uh, so there you are in a room that's maybe 20 by 20. And on the 
length of one wall and another making like the shape of an L, you know, a right angle, you have uh, one of those walls is for like computers and the other wall is for like phones and you can buy uh, a phone card to call home. It costs like, uh, it was like 10 cents a minute. Yeah, it was super cheap. Yeah, it was like seven cents a minute, 10 cents a minute, something like that, depending on the card that you bought. And then they had the computers and you'd have to sign your name and you'd have to sit down, you have to wait your turn. And, you know, this was kind of when like people had iPods, but you weren't allowed to wear them in uniform as a Marine. So like everybody's just kind of sitting there in, in silence and you get on the computer, you get on the phone. But the thing was, is that it was such a small room you could overhear everyone's conversations. And so in one booth, you'd have a guy be like, yeah, what kind of panties you wearing right now? Like, just like sex talking his wife, ma, get off the other line. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the guy next to him would be like, you fucking whore. How many dicks did you suck last night? 30, at least I bet. And you're just like, dude, like chill, man. Like what the fuck? You got enough stuff going on in your life right now. You don't need to be worried about that too. And then the guy next to him is just like, yep, mom, I'm uh, trying to do y'all proud. I just hope the good Lord gives me the courage to get through another day. And it's just like some country bumpkin who, you know, joined from <laughs> Oklahoma. He's a good Christian boy, you know, and he's serving his country. And then the guy next to him is like, just screaming at his wife. Like you spent $27 on Godiva chocolate. You think I'm over here? <laughs> Dude. And it's like you think I'm over here killing terrorists every single day, and I'm like, bro, you 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 work at the postal office, like you don't you don't like I'm a grunt and I don't even kill people every day. Like my SF boys and my fucking SO and like soft boys, like they don't even kill people every day. Like right. you're the postal clerk and you're trying to guilt trip your wife who spent some chocolate because she has to fucking go to sleep alone every night. You know, like hey, better the chocolate than Jody. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man! I got hit by Jody. Ooh, did you now, dude? I found out I was a I was a private. It was my first tour. My one Roshan card to call home. We had five minutes per guy. We were in the Hellman at the time. That we actually partnered with the British Royal Marines on that op. That was fun. But yeah, so Christmas I call home. I didn't call. I didn't call my mom. I called her. This bitch tells me she fucking wants to break up and got ma- and she got married. What? what? Like before you got home, she was already married. Yeah, bro. What a turd. Dude, fuck her. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. She was the awful, just the high school girlfriend gone to shit. It was a yeah. bad experience. Um, but dude, it was a blessing in disguise. But yeah, I cried. I took a bunch of fucking, we raided a pharmacy. I took some Zannies in and I was found myself on patrol. Like fucking couldn't even walk. <laughs> Jesus. Dude, my combat medic covered for me. He was like, he just, he just literally, I just got in the wedge behind him and he just took me back to the base and no none of my leadership knew about it but i was all fucked up (laughs) (laughs) here's hoping the statute of limitations wore out on that one dude that oh my god like i i definitely um i want to get you in on this project that we're working on if if you have some time where uh we're uh, a few of us are getting together and we're partnering with a nonprofit and we're writing a book where a lot of us kind of talk about our first uh times in combat because there's a lot of books out there where you know guys you know, rightfully so, like they talk about their entire deployment and stuff. But what I wanted to do different was make a project where a lot of us kind of talk about what it was like to be a boot in combat, you know? For sure. I, yeah. I got in trouble, bro. I left my fucking weapon at Burger King one time. And I <laughs> walked on my fucking double whopper, stupid fucking private. And I finished the whopper. I was like, oh, fuck. And I'm a track star. So I fucking fuck. <laughs> he's, a runner, he's a track star. <laughs> the rifle was not there. Oh, oh shit. The MPs had it. They blocked it up. 
So I do the walk of shame back to the tent. We had just gotten to Afghanistan. We were at Kenhar Air Force Base in processing before we, we bumped up. I, and then, dude, I had I, nobody I'm aware. The only person I saw was the, my XO. Hey, sir, that's my weapon. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The MPs got it out for me, and he did tell my staff sergeant. I got fucked up, man. He, you know what he did? He got to me so good. He didn't, he didn't smoke me. He didn't do any. That just didn't work for me. He took the gym away from me. Oh, <laughs> it worked. Ever since that, I never really got in trouble ever again. Oh, he took the gym away, and you just ate that double whopper. So that's like twitch, tri- like double yeah. fucked. Yeah, for two weeks I couldn't lift, and I'd watch all the guys go to the gym, and I'd have to sit in my fucking car like an asshole. <laughs> it, just, it just got to me. It worked. It was like course of action corrective action to the team for me and uh yeah elective leadership yeah everyone has you have leadership is a good leader knows different leadership styles yeah and that was my first lesson on like this motherfucker all right (laughs) so you took a lot of these lessons that you learned in the military and you translated them into a successful bodybuilding career so um did, did you ever see yourself getting to to those levels of achievement athletically as you were kind of like in the military still, or was that something that you knew you were going to do no matter what? Yeah. You know, it's hard to explain, but you, there's this feeling inside you that, you know, you're going to, you, you know, you're meant for something else. You just don't know what, and you know, as long as you just have a goal of something and work to something opportunities all are always, are always presenting themselves. And that's the, Bob is a perfect example. I didn't, I knew I wanted to do something else. I just didn't know what, and bodybuilding was just like a, I don't know, a placeholder, if you will. It, bodybuilding is fucking hard. Um, it takes a lot of discipline, dedication and self sacrifice. And it's, it's frankly kind of a selfish sport because you have to just isolate yourself and you, your loved ones get, get, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Like you're covered in like the suntan, like the, the spray tan, fucking up sheets. Your piss smells like asparagus. Like <laughs> you're bringing Tupperware to restaurants. Can you eat this up? Convenience, convenience for everyone. Uh, but nonetheless, the structure you can apply to anything. If you have ever deployed to the People's Republic of Atropia, visit www.atropia.us for all the sweet merchandise that your first sergeant doesn't want you to have. Remember, the most powerful nation on earth that has never been defeated by the U.S. Army in any battle, real or fictional. Well, that's yeah. awesome, man. Uh, do you have any fond memories uh, that, that you know give you a serotonin as far as from your, your bodybuilding career or you know your time going through uh, Team USA? um shit yeah tons i mean uh yeah you know w- when you walk on stage for bodybuilding show like the, you have pre-judging and then you have your finals and then pre-judging is where all the judging happens and then the, for the finals it's just more for the fan experience so you do your posing routine and all that and i just remember at the texas state championships the crowd was full i did my posing routine i, I still remember feeding off the crowd and just the roars and the applauses you know you just you, you, you just ping off the energy. It was, it was just really, really fun. Um, and that made it all worth it when you spend 16 weeks of fucking eating like a fucking monotonous fucking being of nothing, no salt, no sweets, just plain chicken and rice and broccoli. It's awful. <laughs> it, it just made it all worth it, you know? And, uh, and dude, bobsled talk about like, 
you know, jumping out of planes, combat, adrenaline, all the rush. Bobsled filled that void quite a bit. I mean, a bobsled ride is rough. We're hitting like six Gs of force sometimes. You're in there packed nut to butt with the boys, and it's just a team effort. If you fuck up, you, you're letting them down. So there's a lot in relation to combat there. You're, you're one for all, all for one, so to speak, and bobsled is that way. you gotta you got to push the sled as a unit, and you got to fall and, and sink like dominoes. And if one person's off, the whole thing goes to shit, just like a, you know, put a squad size element or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's so cool when you just, when you're pilot and you get in the sled, it all happens perfect. You don't mess up and you run through the finish line and you're at first place, fucking badass. You pack up the sled, you move on to the next site and you just go on tour, meet different people from other countries and you, you drink beers and you get to know folks. Uh, really cool sport. Well, I mean, fucking hey, dude, that sounds super fucking dope, man. So, so I got a question. Just as people in the military like we'll quote military movies. I know you've probably been asked this before, but how often when you were a bobsledder do people quote cool runnings to you? It's all I ever did. <laughs> here it comes. Here it comes. The best one I've ever gotten wasn't cool runnings, but this lady, oh, you're a bobsledder, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so where do you keep your dogs? <laughs> <laughs> so that one I'll never forget. Did you hit her with the uh, with the pose? <laughs> Right, pose. right here, and they're barking, and you hold your biceps up. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. She thought I was dog sledding, crazy lady. Yeah, right here, where the dogs are. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when you guys are doing your uh, your competitions, because um, I know there's there's you know uh, a lot of you saying that a lot of different events that you did. Now, were they primarily just for that one sport, or were they kind of like intramural, where you also got to meet like athletes of different sports? Um, when we're on tour for bobsled, it's just bobsledding. They have the bobsled discipline and they also have the skeleton, one person stomach down, and then the luge event, which is one or two people stomach up, feet first. Um, but that's it. The skiing events, all the other stuff are just to hold up another tour, different con confederation. But as a whole, you know, the Olympic training center when you're there that's when you do come across a lot of athletes um we do camps at like colorado springs colorado you might see like lindsey vaughn or michael phelps walking around but for the most part 95 percent of us are not celebrity types so we're all fucking being whores on instagram trying to make a buck <laughs> <laughs> there's only one phelps you know well i was fucking broke yeah so uh does does that cloud help you get late though yeah absolutely <laughs> You, you go on tour and then after the races you go out you, you drink beers you're mingling with other countries and then shit happens it's just like a fucking cesspool how much intra intra sports like i'm trying to find a fancy way to say it how much do the other uh athletes end up just absolutely ruining each other because i i heard sochi was an absolute fuck fest yeah it was i mean they had just bowls of condoms everywhere just please just give them you can't stop it. Might as well just let it hand out condoms. Those kids would be unstoppable, though. Yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> like, talk about, like, people going there just for genetics. <laughs> um, yeah, over here we have Lou. He's tall. He's handsome. He was Mr. Texas in 2014, you said. Uh, he's also yeah. a member of Team USA bobsledding. You're like, yep, he'll be a, he'll be, he'll, he'll be a good breeder. That's a good stud horse. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, now, as far as like your preference, though, is there a certain type of athlete that kind of like really does it for you? 
Yeah, the, the CrossFitter chick type, but not the overly jacked ones. The, yeah, the regular ones. Yeah. Okay. All day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, okay. I I could see that. Now, is that just more a physically thing, or is that kind of like a mindset thing? I think both. Yeah, you know, a chick that you know, there's, it's just that squats and, and and can move around, and it's just hot. It's fucking hot. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Yeah. Uh, so, is there anything that's on your uh, on your radar for the future, as far as like what's what's the the next thing you want to accomplish? Yeah, man. I don't know. I think it's it's. Uh, I'm in the settling down mode. I got a girlfriend. She's amazing. Um, I got like a corporate ish job. It's corporate, but not. Um, it, it's it's a good place for me. I really like it. Great, like personal work life balance and. Uh, I think I'm going to do the whole family thing. I think that's what I want. I've had a few years to linger on it and uh, I haven't changed my mind once. So I think it's, uh, it's being a dad and a husband. Well, that's great to hear it, man. Um, I'm, I really wish you the best of luck in that and in all your endeavors. You, you know, certainly uh, given a lot to your country and uh, you know, you've gotten through your military service and through your athletic uh, athleticism and your careers through that, you know, given a lot of inspiration, a lot of your time and yourself and your yeah. sanity to, to the country. So yeah, fuck yeah, dude, go yeah. out and get a couple dogs and live it up. Yeah. Big time. I got a bunch of buddies with kids and I like, I like seeing the relationship, you know, having kids is it's, it's like having a podcast. It's easy, but, but not everyone should have it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone should make one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, to raise a little kid or boy and just be a dad, I think that's pretty cool. Now, do you feel like your parenting style is going to be more towards the way that you were raised? Or do you think that you're like, oh, no, 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 like I, I'm going to do better or different? Parts of it. I mean, the family love, the uh, the family dinners, all that stuff I want to continue. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it's hard to say until it's here. I don't know how I, am I going to treat it like a soldier? I don't, I hope not. <laughs> we'll see. You know, you're going to punish your kid by not letting him go to the gym. Right. <laughs> no gym for you. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so AJ, do you have any, uh, any advice for uh, prospective parents out there? Patience is the first thing. And the second thing is as much as a lot of dads in our generation likes to you know, emulate the joke dads of the fifties and be like, I'm gonna put your head through that fucking wall. It's exactly the same thing as taking the gym away. A lot of times the kids being overstimulated nowadays, like beating them's not the answer. Okay. First of all, don't put your hands on your kids, but figure out the thing that's going to bug them the most for my kids. It's boredom. If I force them to be bored and I take their stimulation away and I'm just like, no, sit there and think. And they're like, no blinking lights. I can't take it. Got it. So put them on guard duty. Check. Yep. There exactly that. See, you already got the blueprint. And, and the best part is you get to start off by making them build the post. Fuck yeah. Build no, those sandbags, yeah. kid. Yeah, and cut your lawn and all that stuff. Yeah. It's free labor, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, the benefit to being a parent. You get free labor until they're 18. Yeah, once they're like 11, they can start doing a ton on their own around the house, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> so, Lou, uh, where can we find you? Where, where can our listeners find you on social media? Um, I guess I don't really tweet. I'm on the Instagram. The hell, let me confirm. My Instagram is just, uh, I think I changed it. Pretty good. But, uh, yeah, Lou M-L-O-L-O-U-M-9-5 underscore. 
Right on. So uh, are, are there any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, fucking A. Just, you know, whatever, whatever you're going through, we all got fucking problems. If you're going to complain, if you're going to vent, just finish that thought or conversation on a good note on some sort of bright side and some sort of plan of action to move forward and what you're going to do about it. If you don't, then it's just a wasted energy that's not going to do anything good for anyone. I like it. That's a, that's a great way to think about it. It's also, uh, like you said, it's very important to provide uh, solutions with problems. We all got problems, so just make a plan, and it's going to be all right, because it could always be fucking worse. It could always be worse, and uh, through all the adversity that I've been through in my life, you know, left foot, right foot, repeat, and uh, one day you'll get through it. One day it'll just be a memory. Right. Yeah, man. And, and reach out to folks, you know, there's always, especially with the vets, like you may not hear from people every day, but they're going to be there when you call. Yeah. You just got to go forth and do great things. One yeah. of the few, one of the few things from a safety brief you can actually take to heart. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us uh, for everyone listening. Uh, you know, please, um, you know, check out uh, Lou's profile and, uh, so that way <laughs> he can get the, um, you know, what, what, what'd you call it before? You said you were whoring yourself out for bucks. Oh yeah. On the Instagram. I used to, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> no OnlyFans. No, <laughs> no, no, I got to show my buttholes real quick. I mean, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for, for coming in to see us. Fair winds following season. We'll see you next time here in the smoke pit. All right, AJ. See you guys. Later.